0: You're listening to The Issues Podcast. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. This is an episode of The Issues Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Russ, Tom Brennan, and Martin Wickens. Topic of the day is separation, and I came across a tweet from a podcast listener. This is Wesley Morrison, and uh, would love to meet Mr. Morrison, by the way, one day. Have yet to meet him in person. Um, and it says, a thread. Anybody ever stop reading when you see the word a thread, or does it actually make you read more on Twitter? I'm, depends, I'm curious. Who's, depends who's the tweeter. Ah, okay. Yeah. Because sometimes I want to read and sometimes I go, I don't have time for that, but I, I like this guy. So you're right. That's that's the way this goes. Um, Acts 20:27 20, says, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Christian friends, there's never a good reason to completely avoid addressing a specific biblical principle. This includes the doctrine of separation. Then he goes on. Hypocrites, legalists, Pharisees, and I like this one, religious idiots abound. I get it. These types made Jesus sick and they make me sick too. Just the thought of possibly being associated with them makes me want to run a hundred miles per hour in the opposite direction, but that's never the right response. On the contrary, it's probably the worst thing we can do and often leads to legitimate compromise and carnality. We've all seen this happen. The right response is to simply stick to the Bible. Don't add to it or take away from it, Deuteronomy 4.2, Revelation 22.18, but do rightly divide it, 2 Timothy 2.15. Speak the truth it contains boldly, but do so graciously, Colossians four six. and in love, Ephesians 4.15. Take great care to avoid hypocrisy, inconsistency, and contention. Like Paul, let's take great care to cerebrally declare all the counsel of God, Acts 20.27, 20, big word there, uh, and he closes with, God will honor this. And, and I agree with that. And one thing that I like about what he said is just because other people misrepresent a biblical doctrine or principle, we should not run from addressing it. Don't you think we do that?
1: Yeah. And that's that That has a lot of applications to it. That, that point that you can't mm-hmm. overreact to a bad application of a Bible doctrine or practice by not doing it.
0: Right. Right. I feel, I feel like, and I'm not speaking necessarily of my home church or any critical sense of any one pastor, but I feel like, for instance, because we were raised in such a non-Calvinistic group of pastors and churches, um, that I only ever got the, um, the people pleaser perspective of Calvinism. And we would never address when the Bible used the word election. And so um, I made a yeah. commitment. I made it, you know, it's it's in the Bible. I mean, there there is an elect. It, wouldn't it be better to actually just address it and and maybe without any kind of malice or any kind of contention or or any kind of militancy, just say, so here's what the Bible means. And I, I like that that idea because the Lord's worked on my heart to that. So when we come to challenging passages of scripture, even on issues that we've discussed on this podcast, where we are all three very rock solid on what we believe. Alcohol. Uh, we didn't. <laughs> w- we didn't neglect the troubled passages, the passages mm-hmm. that give us a little bit of pause, or we have to say, "I need to look, I need to study that," and we need, you know, I, I like what RB Willett says. He says, "I like the questions that I have about this, about my possession, better than the questions that I have about your position." You know, because mm-hmm. we all, if, if you study the Bible, occasionally you're going to run up against a question. So this issue, getting back to the issue of the doctrine of separation, um. I think we've all seen it used and abused, and 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 it's it's the red meat preaching, it's the it's the people pleaser or the vacuum or the what's the not vacuum echo chamber preaching. I'm sorry, um, mm-hmm. that we yeah. we sometimes run from addressing it because people have been. Uh, Horsewhipped with it <laughs> a little bit. So
2: I thought it was interesting seeing that seeing that tweet this morning because I saw it. I think before you commented okay. on there because yeah. we planned on doing this episode and then I saw that this morning and I thought, ah, oh, that's that's good, that's helpful. Yeah. And then you you commented underneath it and I liked that he he starts by describing it as the doctrine of separation, correct? Because this has been a big conversation among certain. Online personalities, whether separation is a doctrine or whether it's, you know, a, a non fundamental. And so yeah. I like that he calls it a doctrine. I you know, like how you also
0: are so very nice to people, Martin, that you said online personalities when what you meant were trolls, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not just trolls because it's come up from. You're right. Right. I, I mean, 20 years ago when I first
1: got online, or I guess 25 at this point, I remember a very vigorous discussion with a man uh, called, his his screen name was Dr. Bob. And <laughs> that's what he wanted to be called was Dr. Bob. And so we all called him Dr. Bob. But he <laughs> insisted to me, we were talking about separation. And he says to me at one point in some conversation somewhere, he he starts listing these systematic theology books on his shelf. I'm staring at the part of my Shelves Chairman, in my library, where the systematic theologies are, and he starts listing off. I got Schaefer, I got Hodge, I got whatever, and Gruden, and you know, and and, and the Bancroft, and there's no doctrine of separation in these. And back then, I didn't know systematic theology uh, because I would have told him he was wrong because it there is the doctrine of separation is an aspect of the doctrine of sanctification. Mm-hmm. But I responded more simply, and I said, Doctor Bob, you're looking in the wrong book.
0: Mm. Nice. Yeah, it, because it is. there is there is a doctrine of separation in the word of yes. god well mm-hmm. it's it, that's the thing that that baffles me is is you know we and I and i get it I mean i get it we we see people turning either phrases of scripture or doctrines of scripture into into a uh, an attack dog and and that bothers us because it gets taken to a, an extreme on one side but if it's in the Bible we need to look at it we need to look at it for what it is, and we need to study it to show ourselves approved. I, I think uh, Wesley Morrison just referenced that in his in his um, thread. And so that's kind of the idea of our conversation today is just addressing it from the perspective of what does the Bible say about it? I'm sure that throughout that, it will also include how we've managed to put it into practice in our own lives or how we see it personally. Um, but we want to start there. So um, I guess the the questions, because you know, I had a, a really smart Guy tell me one time he said the question is never what's the answer it's what's the question so I tried to think of questions about this particular yeah. um, this particular subject and so the question that I thought of was this you know what is biblical separation in the sense of what does the Bible actually say about it um, where does it where does it show up and and when it shows up now I know you said Tom that. Sanctification is an aspect of separation. Is that correct? Is that the right quote? No, separation is an act is an aspect
1: of sanctification. Sanctification okay. is a bigger subject. Separation is go. part of it. Okay. So the right, sanctified
2: so, will separate. There you go. There you go. The sanctified are separated
1: and will separate. Yes. But the separated uh, are not necessarily sanctified.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's it's in how you say it. I like it. That that's very clear. So then so then we need to define that. And if we do <laughs> Are we defining it as sanctification and then get getting more narrow from there? Is that how we're doing this,
1: Martin? You had re- you we were referencing before we started uh, recording some some teaching you'd had on that in your in your Bible college days. Why don't you Why don't you start this answer and let's see where it goes? Well, that was in the very much in the context of um,
2: ecclesiastical separation okay. and. It was, uh, you know, my teachers we were in Northern Ireland, David Moore, Stephen Borland, and a couple of others, and they recommended to me uh, the writings by Pickering and Moritz. And I was just looking, these guys were writing in the early 90s, and they were highlighting the need for ecclesiastical separation. I and mean, in Northern Ireland at the time, you know, Baptist churches were compromising all over on creation, on end times teachings, on Bible versions. Mm-hmm. And so it was very much in their minds to explain that as, as a church, we need to make sure that we are pure in our doctrine.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So that, so how would you define separation then? I guess in that context as purity? Well, I would say so. Cause I think, you know, sometimes it gets framed in the,
2: the sense of someone being self-righteous and separating from a preference, but every statement of truth is a declaration that there is something, therefore, that's wrong. Yeah. And and so if someone says, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about separation, well, every time it says this is right, this is wrong, yes. you know, holiness, it, it presumes yes. separation. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's like God never wastes time proving he exists. He just says, I'm here. Right. And I think separation is maybe along those lines. You know, if you're pure,
1: then you stay away from the impure. And if you're right, you stay away from the wrong. That's a really good way to phrase that because separation is implicit in the subject of sanctification or holiness. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you look up the word holiness in the Old Testament, the term that's used most often in the original language for holiness has its root meaning as cut. Mm-hmm. Meaning I'm going to I'm going to cut myself off from something. I'm separating myself from something so I can separate myself to something. Isn't that what sanctification is to be set apart? Mm-hmm. Its meaning, so for example, the vessels in the Old Testament that were dedicated specifically to be used by the priests in the in the in the temple worship, they could not be used for regular everyday purposes. They were only to be used for the purposes of the priests, you know, in the observance of the of the Jewish religion. So they were separated from regular use and dedicated to solely the priest use. And that I think is an illustration of where separation, as you said, is implicit in in every aspect of right and wrong and, and
0: do this and don't do that. We we tend to look at separation as such a negative thing, but don't you think that in the Bible it always starts with the positive? As in we are separated unto Christ, those things that were separated uh, for the priests were for the worship of God. I mean, that's a positive thing, but the natural reality of that is that there is a negative. It means that there are things mm-hmm. that this cannot be used for.
1: Right.
2: Yeah. Well, it's like in First Thessalonians where Paul describes the Thessalonians as having turned from idols to mm-hmm. the living God. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably where a lot of separation, whether it's personal or ecclesiastical, gets into problems because there's an emphasis on what they turn from and what they yeah. don't like and not enough on what they turn to. And so it can come across as a very negative thing.
1: And we love, as, and of course all three of us are pastors, but preachers love... To point out, you know, don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. Yes. There's clarity there. Yes, mm-hmm. and we love to draw those lines. I mean, just just speaking broadly as a vocation, we love to draw those lines. Don't do these things, mm-hmm. and it's a little more amorphous or or hard to draw the line of go do such and such or go be right. such and such. And so, separation is a, is a cheap way. And I'm, I sound like I'm criticizing separation, and I'm not. Separation is a cheap way to make yourself think you're holy or make yourself think your church is holy or your ministry is holy, because look, we don't do this and we don't do this and we don't do this.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And yes. obviously to separate, there has to be things you don't do, <laughs> but you're, yes. perfectly, you're exactly right. It is separation. You don't do those so that you can
0: go in the direction of the Lord. This is interesting because I'm sorry, Martin. Did you have something you wanted to interject there? No, going I say, I think
2: it's a it's very much a human nature thing. When I was training uh, in, in management, one day they had us walk around this super Walmart si- sized store. It wasn't Walmart; it was a British grocery store, retail store. And they they were pushing this thing they called "ask more than tell." And so they were trying to get away from the old school managers who would be like, "Do this, do this, don't do this," you know. But it was ask more than tell. And they said, "Go around the store, look at every sign you can see on fire exits, on you know." You know, staff only, and, and look at what comes across as negative, as a don't, 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 and look at what is, you know, you're allowed here, you can do this, we empower yeah. you here. And it yeah. was saying you want to achieve the same thing, but you kind of flip the script a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so just, you know, it's, it's a human nature thing. And it's more, it's easier to say, don't do this, don't go here, don't do that, you know, and yeah. it's a battle
0: I think we have to face. It, it, it is easier. To do that, do it that way, where it's it's the do's and don'ts and the list and all that. But so back to Tom's point, though, about it's a cheap way to portray a particular. Uh, I know you're going to regret the way you put that. I saw yeah. you roll um, your eyes when you. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think so. Let, let me see if we can help further define that. Um, I've been preaching through this year, Ezra and Nehemiah, and in Ezra they restored the worship. And then Ezra restored the law and the teaching. And then in Nehemiah, you see a restoration of leadership and a picture of his leadership. But you see them building a wall. Okay. I have heard that wall preached. Oh, I mean, my whole life about what, you know, that's a, that's a wall of protection. And, and it's been used to promote the idea of standards and all that. Now, I don't disagree with that to an extent. Because what that wall did for Jerusalem was it gave it back its distinct sovereignty and it helped restore Israel into a people again. They had been depressed, discouraged, debased, they had been beaten down, and the Bible says they were in distress, they were a reproach. Rebuilding the wall raised them back up to a level of a distinct people. But I made the point to our church I said, There are some protective things that we put in our lives, just like they put that wall up, that makes us distinctly Christ's. And it, it it's the outward expression. Notice they didn't start with the outward expression. It started with the worship. It went on into the understanding aspect and then into the outward expression. But I made the point to our church. I said, the reason for that was that 400 years later, God was going to send his son to a place that was distinctly his. Now they were they had all kinds of problems, I understand the Pharisees and the and the they were very legalistic, all of that. But in the process of that, you never find where after they got done, it was all about the wall. They didn't yes. draw attention to the wall. It, they never versus, said, look at our wall.
1: Versus the Pharisees, where everything was about the the Correct. fence around the Garden of the Torah.
0: That's right. That's right. That's, that's so great. That's, yeah. And I should, should have brought that up and I probably still will. But the point about our separation is, is that it's, it's not a trophy. Right. It's something that should come from a deep and abiding uh, passion for holiness that is, that is acquired, I think, through close communion and worship of, of the Lord. Um, so it, it just goes hand in hand with with what I was thinking. So I I, I kind of laughed when you said it's a cheap version because I said, oh, he's that's not what he wanted to say. But to further define it, do you think that clarifies it more? I think we would have to ask our listeners. But but yeah, I mean, I, I like the way that you. Uh, <laughs> You well, I'm just here to rescue you, Tom. That's all. Anyway.
1: In that case, you're going to be really
2: busy. I, I think it's good as well that the way you phrase about it, um, separation being looked at as a trophy. and I think that's where a lot of it's gone wrong, um, mm-hmm. where separation became the object rather than the product. an outgrowth of something else. And so yeah. you have a lot of people who celebrated how separated they were, yes. but there was no grace to it. It was all about the wall, like you were saying, and not Mm -hmm. about the worships, not about the truth. And, uh, you know, I think we had a list of some of the points to pick her and made. And I think he touches on that. And so I like that phrasing of it, though.
1: I I think a great example of how this plays out in real life terms of what happens in our heart is you can be separated and be proud about that, but you can't be holy and be proud about that.
0: Hmm.
1: Mm, Right. So separation doesn't have to feed your pride. If it's in the process of being sanctified to the Lord, becoming holy, and it is a necessary part, you can't be holy without separation. Right. I believe that right. biblically and practically. Yes. But you but you can be proud about your separation when that wall, to use your term, or becomes the point. You can become proud about how separated you are and how much better you are at being separated than so-and-so, et cetera. And you're nowhere. You're nowhere
0: close to the Lord, even though you're separated. Right. So the question is: Does separation produce holiness, or does holiness produce separation? Holiness includes separation. There you go. But it separation then is a fruit of holiness. No,
1: it's it's a. Oh, maybe. I, I, okay, so I have a phrase <laughs> in "Freed from Sin" that says holiness is an inward grace that works its way outward.
0: Yeah. mm Hmm. I, I think what you're trying to avoid is is you also believe that separation is a discipline at a certain point, don't you? Sure yeah yeah I get it. 100%. So okay then let's let's talk about the types of separation. In my mind, there are two there is ecclesiastical and there's personal. because of the fact that we are we are we are making the case that separation is an aspect of the greater principle of sanctification, then the personal is included in that but we've already kind of started with the ecclesiastical. So can we define ecclesiastical separation? Like, can we on this podcast? I like,
1: so we we earlier referenced Ernest Pickering. He was perhaps, in my opinion, the best writer of the GRBC ever produced. Okay. And I grew up in a GRBC church. I heard Ernest Pickering preach when I was a boy. I don't have any vivid memory of it. Didn't read his books until I was much older and already pastoring. Mm-hmm. I didn't have as good a training in that respect as Pastor Wickens had. I had to find it for myself, but he titles his book about biblical separation "The Struggle for a Pure Church." Mm. So if so, I think if you want to define ecclesiastical separation, it is the struggle for a pure church. It's what you're trying to do to make your church doctrinally pure. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and then I guess the question that pops up in my mind when you say that is is The the New Testament then also includes morally pure. Yes. Yeah. So doctrine shapes behavior. I'm not. Yeah, not trying to you know say it
1: doesn't. But but the The idea of ecclesiastical separation is you're talking about. What church is going to cooperate with what church based upon what doctrines you guys hold or disagree on? Mm-hmm. This is where you get fundamentalism where fundamentalism is born. This is also why evangelicalism is is born out of a reaction against fundamentalism, right and Harold Akenga and all of those things. And so it, it's those lines we're talking about where you' something is birthed out of a desire to to make sure the doctrine is correct and the practice is correct. Yes. You say it Akinga or is it Akinga? i heard it. I've heard it. Beats me. Uh, all I've ever done is read it. So whatever you, <laughs> you know how you mispronounce words all the time when you read them and that's all you do. So that that's the story. I was going to say, I thought it
2: was Akinga, but they may just be like the, the British pronunciation of it. So who knows? Okay.
0: okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, expected I don't know if you're going to help with this
2: conversation, but um, Douglas McLaughlin, in his book, Reclaiming Authentic Fundamentalism, That's which a great book, great book, is outstanding great book, yeah. in so many ways. And It's sad that it's not better known yes. than it is. Yes, yes. But um, he's talking about the context of fundamentalism as a whole, but I think it might have Baron here. He said there's there was a slide over two generations of time from lordship where biblical principles were understood and external standards were implemented to legalism where biblical principles were ignored and external standards were exalted to libertinism, where biblical principles are forgotten and external standards are despised. And that's produced a scandalous variety of Christianity. Isn't that a great description of like the last 40 years? Yes.
1: Yeah,
2: I I tell you, reading that book is like, oh my word, I I want to buy a copy for every pastor in America. And he has this way of summarizing the truth. What's that? So can I have a spare a copy, copy maybe, so if one of our <laughs> listeners would like that, if one of our podcast hosts doesn't want it.
0: Uh, yeah, well, hold on. Come on. Let's start with your <laughs> we friends. We would send
1: it to you, Brother Russ, but you would only read the introduction anyway. So, uh, yeah. No, I would just ask AI to summarize it anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's, it's, it's a great, great
2: summary, I think, of where we were and where we've come to and why you had the reaction of right? evangelicalism
0: and Akenga. Um, so, yeah. I like it. Well, okay. So I think I intended at the beginning of the conversation to touch on these issues in two two different ways, but we're probably going to have to deal with both ways as we go along through the conversation, as opposed to starting with one and the other, because you have the positional, that's the doctrine. I mean, purity, doctrinal purity is, is the goal of ecclesiastical separation. But then that has to be balanced with the practical aspect of how that's implemented in our churches. And you know, it seems to me like there's different grades of how that is implemented. If you have a you know, obviously, if you have a, a an overtly doctrinally incorrect, um, I say, cult or church or whatever, you know, there's no cooperation available. You know, we're not we're not going to have a Catholic priest come and speak at our right. church. Right. It's, that's just that's out of the question. And I'm not going to preach for a Catholic priest. I'm not going to do that. Right. Uh, although I did sing at a Catholic funeral. That's a story for another day. Twice. So, with that being said, then there's there's an area where there's no cooperation. Is there an area where we can fellowship, but have limited or no cooperation? And then at what point are we willing to say full cooperation?
1: I think there's grades of ecclesiastical separation okay. based upon, for lack of a better phrase, grades of infection, or maybe <laughs> grades of disagreement is a better term. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I think that you are a liberal, a theological liberal, I'm not going to associate with you at all. I will be polite to you in the coffee shop. I will not associate with you at all. If I think you're an evangelical, I will happily sit down and have a great conversation with you in the coffee shop about the Lord. But mm-hmm. I also won't bring my church alongside of your church at a Greg Laurie crusade.
0: <laughs> yeah. but,
1: it's not, but it's not the same thing as how I would view you know, the the. The United Church downtown that sponsors the gay Pride parade. Right? It, it it's a whole different level of separation or of uh, and of application of separation. Does that make sense? Yes. yes, it does. And is this where some of those like single issue
2: elements come into it? So with abortion, I know we've mentioned that before, you know, there will be times we will stand on the same platform as someone else figuratively or literally uh, for a pro-life cause. Mm-hmm. But is that because we know the risk of using your word infection is low, like somebody's not going to stand up and say, you know, something which is not the gospel, but portrayed as the gospel, we're there to make our voices heard about pro-life. And, and you kind of hedge that and say, this is the only, the only partnership we have in a very limited
1: sense, because that's the way we can get our voice heard. Does that make sense? Yes. And that's a great illustration because here in Dubuque, Dubuque is heavily Roman Catholic and a lot of staunch Roman Catholics, like old fashioned dedicated Roman Catholics. And so the right to life movement is big here. The right to life dinner has 1500 people at it in a town of 60,000 people. The senators come, the representatives come, you know, and we go to those. We go to the right to life marches. We go to the to the dinners. We we I've written for the for the newsletter for the for Dubuque right to Dubuque kind of right to life. I don't view that as something that ecclesiastical separation applies to because abortion is not a religious issue. It's a legal issue, it's a political issue, it's a it's a it's a moral issue but it's not a religious issue. And maybe I'm dicing that too fine because I can tell the way
0: you're staring up at the ceiling brother I, Russ and I just think your chin. that Tom woke up on a particular side of the bed today he's used cheap He's used, he's used infection and now, <laughs> <laughs> now you know, no, I, I understand what you're saying. I do want our listeners to understand it is a spiritual issue. No doubt. It is a spiritual issue. But what you're saying is, is that, that we want, we, we're okay with partnering or, or standing on the same yes. side of that issue with anyone yes, to, yes. Or within reason.
2: Yes. So we're not going to have a joint prayer meeting in our building with Catholics and whoever else who clearly are unbiblical, but we will on a political level side with them and say, you know, or side yes. with, you know, on the same
0: yes. position. And, and and I've done the same thing, Tom. I've I've prayed at our local Right to Life banquet, which in Southern Indiana. So the Southern Indiana Right to Life banquet is the largest one in the nation. I mean, it's, it's yeah. unreal, yeah. the people that come out for it. Um, and, and so whenever I'm asked, I'm like, yes, yeah, happily. And right. I do that and I have done that. Um, but again, you know, we're not bringing that into our church auditorium.
1: We're mm-hmm. not promoting
0: no. that as everyone who believes that abortion is wrong is a doctrinally correct Christian or spiritual right. leader. Right. So, but that's an easy one to make on the side of no cooperation. Okay. we may We may be able to work among that group, but there's no cooperation there. What I think that we, okay, so let me ask you this. Is there ever a middle ground where there's limited cooperation and what does that look like? Because most of the time we go from either no cooperation to total cooperation oh, and that's it. Some, I'm thinking of something really snarky and I can't say it. Oh, <laughs> you can say it, Tom.
1: You're already no, ghost. After this it. podcast, if our listeners will email me, I will tell you what I was going to say. Better write it down, man. <laughs>
2: But yeah, that's true, I, as I, won't remember. I think I think he knows. I, I think I know what he's thinking. Maybe or,
1: <laughs> you might. You might. Why you don't might. you
0: say it with your British accent, Martin? You'll get away with it. <gasps> no, uh, who yeah. knows? Everybody loves Brother Wickens. Have you noticed? That asking, yes, everyone I do. in my church who listens to the podcast loves
1: him. You and should go like me. You should go to a conference with Martin. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm. Unseen, I just the, I'd just be the minnow trailing around in the
0: wake of Moby Dick. Uh, We're not even, we're not even the minnow. We're the chum on the, in the water. I mean, that's it. It's like, yeah, I don't like these guys, but Martin, oh, would you go running with us in the morning? Aw. Anyway. Well, if you ran, then maybe you'd get invited as well. But anyway.
1: um, Speaking of being snarky. Yeah. (laughs) No,
0: and seriously though. (laughs) Yeah. I say seriously. What What was your question before we got off track here? I am playing the devil's advocate because I I think we need to talk about this. Is there a middle ground? And independent Baptists are good at being all or nothing. Mm. So, so there's, you know, come on, where, where are we at? yeah. So when I was in Chicago,
1: I would take, I would go down to Pacific garden mission Mm -hmm. and I would take, I would take a service and I would preach. My kids would sing and we would evangelize and, Mm -hmm. and PGM is an ecumenical organization. Mm-hmm. We would go down there, and we would we would take a service. We would we would run a bus down there, and we would pick up people that wanted to come to our service. We did that for a while, sure, but we would not support PGM financially. Okay, so we drew the line at sending them money because we didn't agree with the fact that they also, you know, use Mormon support and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's where we drew the line with that, where we would participate in a limited way with their ministry. But we wouldn't support their ministry, and maybe it's a line that someone else would think is a fake line. But for us, it was real.
0: That was, and that. And there's my question: Is that the the area of limited cooperation? Is that an area of individual soul liberty on the part of the pastor or the church, the leadership? Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does. Um, And I would think the answer to that is: It depends on who's who's. Asking who's answering, I might say it's individual soul liberty, and my opponent might look at me and say, "Dude, you're ignoring clear Bible Bible teaching. It's not. You don't have soul liberty to ignore what the Bible says, right?" The yeah. David Clouds of the world. So, you know, you're you're. It, it depends on who's asking, who's answering that question. And this is where it does get difficult. Is where it's not a
2: clear cut right or wrong. But there's this area in between where to one degree or another, you will or you won't separate. And I think this is where it can get messy. Um, And the way I've looked at it with some areas of separation is there's a clear doctrine. And we may say, okay, the doctrine of modesty, You know that there is a truth that is without argument that modesty should exist. There will be principles that I can take from that, but then my personal application is kind of a – a third step away. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that area in between no involvement and full involvement exists. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
0: Like It does. I don't know. It does. I'm, sure. Now I have something I can't say, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Speak your mind, gentlemen. Don't be shy. Oh, no. Yeah. No, 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 it's no. No. just the
1: three of us, right?
0: This, yeah. 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 yeah no, no, I'm not. There's no anything. else in the room. So, so um, um, we're really riding the line here between the positional and the practical, as in everybody may agree with what we said is separation. They may not agree where we draw the line. And that's what I'm asking. Is that a matter of individual soul liberty at a certain point? Like if a church wanted to support an adoption agency or a... Um, or, you know, give money toward putting in a baby box at, at a fire station, along with a Mormon church. They may give money to this too, you know, but we're going to do this. And that's, it's part of our, it's part of what we feel comfortable doing. And I'm sure we all have personal illustrations of where we have, where we have ridden that line. And so I just want to acknowledge that that happens.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I understand it does. Okay. So ecclesiastical agree. separation. And in a sense, I'm okay with it because there should <clears throat> if everyone has to, ch- there have to be. I disagree with those people that say that there are no gray areas in the Word of God and that everything is a fundamental. Uh, Romans for, fourteen
0: would would contradict that. I think.
1: Yeah, but people like that have not. They they just they read Romans thirteen and move on to Romans fifteen. They just skip. 14. I agree. Um. So yeah, I'm in some sense there. There certainly has to be an application of individual soul liberty there, and and yeah. that okay. So to move then back to you know, we were talking about Pickering earlier, and, and Martin referenced his, his his talk about how you approach separation. He emphasizes mm-hmm. a lot in that book to be gracious. And one of the foundational reasons you want to be gracious in dealing with a brother you disagree with about separation is because maybe it is over something that is not clear cut. We're not talking about theological liberalism. They deny right. the deity of Jesus Christ. We're talking about, to use your term, the baby box at the fire department. And mm-hmm. so, whether I would do that or not, or you would do that or not. If I wouldn't and you would, I should be gracious with you about that because that yes. that is not clear cut. Does that make sense? Right.
0: Yes, and that's where earlier before we got on, we were we were looking at Pickering's uh, instruction on that or his his uh, writing on it, and I and at the same time, both of us said, "Man, this guy was a prophet." Yeah. Because of because of what's happened with that. So can I give the list? Is this a good time to give the list? Help yourself. Help yourself. Okay, mm-hmm. so Ernest Pickering's heart of a separation heart of a separatist's list in his book, The Struggle for a Pure Church. He says, Avoid Phariseeism, avoid an improper spirit, avoid preoccupation with issues. Man, we gotta close our podcast down now. Avoid <laughs> uncontrolled suspicion. Oh man. Avoid incorrect labels, broad brushing avoid gloating over failures avoid a desire to dominate avoid hasty rejection of offenders avoid caustic language avoid public rebuke first avoid letting other separatist violation of this convince us not to be separatist i'm in uh, my mind is blown like i'm in shock reading that because every one of his rules have been violated and then then we virtue signal that we're the better separatists. Yes. And
1: thus And that mm-hmm. those who you are, are not as
0: separated are not separatists. Yeah. Thus th- thus we're holy
1: and they're not. Yeah, and, which and is the opposite. You, go ahead. Which is why you can't
0: equate separation with holiness. Oh my soul, man. That, and and I feel, you know, I I apologize. Because you, can be a, you can be a separatist right. and do all that list wrong. Yeah. Correct? Yes. 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 Yeah, you can you can have the most pure position. And because we've we've be all wrong. known,
1: we've sat in services where preachers yes. essentially, I mean, I'm not trying to be ugly here, but their whole spirit, their whole tone, their whole ministry was a violation of that whole list. That's right. But but our positions would line up. You know, if you put them on a map, they'd almost be essentially cover themselves.
0: Yeah. They'd be all, almost lined up to a T. You know, avoid, avoid um, what is it, incorrect labels. I mean, all of us have been called mm. Pharisees at some point.
1: And we know how cult. that feels.
0: Yeah. We know how that feels. And it's like honestly, for that reason, I kind of look at it and go, I'm going to be very very hesitant to apply certain labels like like the word heresy. Yes. I'm going to I'm going to investigate before I put slap that label on somebody's yeah. ministry. Mm-hmm. I okay. think the word liberal, I think you got to be real careful yeah. using
1: that word. Yeah.
0: Right. Absolutely. <laughs> But we haven't
2: been. That's the point. James one eight principle is it? Or you're slow to hear, or slow to, or swift to hear and slow to speak. Yes. And in a lot of separatist circles, it's swift to speak and slow to hear. Mm-hmm. And you, you just do all those things. And one of the saddest things I see is that last one: avoid letting other separatists' violation of this convince us not to be separatists. Is yeah. how many young people and even older people do we see leaving a yeah. position? Because of the spirit that it's held by others, and, yes. and that's you know that's a very very sad event.
0: That and that's what we opened with Correct. is we've all seen those those uh, bad examples of spirit, but we have to go to the Bible for our position and not react to someone's spirit. Amen. Amen. And, and I agree. A lot of my generation has walked away because of the spirit, so it's it's a worthy admonition. The that was. So th- there's one side of it is what to avoid, but then he gives four things on what to incorporate. And this is very helpful. Incorporate a passion for holiness. Incorporate an unwavering militancy. Now, that word has probably changed a little bit of definition over time. But in other words, zealously pursue what right. we know to be right. Uh, incorporate zeal for souls. I love that, man. A soul winning church. It's amazing how the issues take care of themselves when it's done <laughs> Right. Uh, and incorporate the fruit of the spirit. I heard the illustration years ago of the most pure air in the world exists in, I think, Antarctica, and no one can survive there because of the harsh conditions. Top of Mount Everest. There you go. Are we not guilty of many times having purity of doctrine to the degree that no one can survive around us?
1: Yeah. With, and that's, because of spirit. Get, sure, and that's the, the end result of that in a church context. And again, we're church guys, we're pastors. The end result of that in a church context is a church that is, you know, every woman has got a skirt down to her ankles and hair down to her right. waist. And there's, you know, every family has been in that church for 35 years. And if someone walks in off the street, you know, and, you know, they happen to have a couple of tats and an earring, everybody just looks at them sideways yeah. and they feel that and they flee and never go back.
0: Yep. Yep. They, that, and I'm not. And Tom, see the, you are I, surprising the world today. I just want you to know you are. I'm not saying world. that that sinners should walk in
1: and feel comfortable in our churches, right? Cause I'm not an evangelical. I don't believe that. Uh-huh. But if your church is not constantly after people, if you're not constantly bringing yeah. in worldly people, yeah. if if someone worldly comes to your church and and it is a shock to your church's system your church is unbalanced yeah.
2: well that's the two extremes isn't it it's the the gospel at the expense of holiness the holiness at the expense of gospel
0: yeah and
1: it
2: doesn't
0: have to be that way correct Wow man you guys are this this conversation has been a blessing to me and I'm being serious good I really am because this is this is so this is what I think and I you know we're recording this in advance of it being aired and i always take that into context but just right now as we record this there's such a good spirit in our church and there's the good spirit actually does something that i've noticed it de- it detours a, or deters a bad spirit mm-hmm. it, it's almost like it can see it coming and it's like the, the old NBA player, Matumbo, who used to shake his finger and be like, no, 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 you're not welcome here. Like, that's how I feel about our church. There's this buzz. There's this excitement. There's this goodness right now that's of God. And if a bad spirit walked in the room, it wouldn't feel comfortable and it would leave. You know, it's just like, man, but that's the grace of God. And that's what <laughs> we want.
1: I agree. It's the grace of God. It's also an outgrowth of a soul winning church. Uh-huh. So most often when people ask me how my church is, the the word I use to describe it most often is happy. Yeah. It's a happy church. It's a happy church, not coincidentally, because it's a church that goes after souls with a passion in every possible yeah. way it can. And there is joy in that. And that joy, then you, you can be a church where our church is against everything that, you know, brother so-and-so's church is against, but they're not a soul winning church. And so they've turned inward and they're really yeah. – like walled off from the world. And so they're better than everybody else. Militant in a, in a negative sense. Yeah. And and it's, mm-hmm. we agree, we would line up on separation on the same things, but when you, and this is why Pickering is his point about, you know, incorporate soul winning. If you don't, you become the negative aspect or mm-hmm. outgrowth of that church rather than the positive side of it.
0: Yep. Yeah. We had a lady, again, this is being recorded in advance, but we had a lady attend on uh, this past Sunday and on the way out the door, she said, if I hadn't come here today, I would have never believed there was a church like this in this town. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm telling you, she's not, she wasn't she wasn't following the lists. Right. Okay. I'm I'm trying to be gracious. I mean, she may listen to this. I don't know. Um, I I viewed that as such a positive statement. It's like this is this is what I've been looking for, because the Spirit of God worked in the hearts of people and the grace of God was there. We agree. We, honestly, we're the same church we've always been. We we have many of the same standards and all of those things, but the spirit, man. Sorry, I just wanted to brag on our people in our church. Yeah. I asked someone last week about our church. I said, what would you say is so special about our church? And they said, the people. The people mm-hmm. have a heart for the Lord and for the service of God. And I'm like, well, they, they didn't say the pastor. So, <laughs> But anyway, um, moving on, is, they didn't say the pastor, but yeah, the, no yeah. doubt. No <laughs> doubt. I think, Please. I think probably maybe we could make personal separation another episode. Are you guys okay with that at this point? You're, you're the boss. Ah, well, we're, we only have
2: yep. 15 minutes you're left. So. Yeah. Well, yes. I think it's, it may be worth looking at that word militancy for a little bit, because I know we have some yeah. information down on the, the show notes, which
0: Look we will Martin taking the lead. Look at Martin. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs>
2: Well, seeing as Tom laboured so hard in the uh, preparation of the show notes, <laughs> and we laboured so hard to read them later, later, but, um, very much later, <laughs> Steven's looking now. Where are the show yeah, notes? I read all of them, yeah. notes? We have notes. Yeah. <laughs> if you go to the folder, it's labelled uh, <laughs> the old Google Drive. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll give
0: you a minute to look up AI and uh, give you some, some right, information. Yeah. But I take I take that, Tom's four four pages of show notes and I put it in chat GPT and say, please correct all grammar and punctuation and then I read it. It's great. You're a smart <laughs> man. I know. Well we correct your notes, but you don't make any. Yeah. yeah, I
1: I just started recently paying for Grammarly, but I don't put the show oh. notes in Grammarly. So No, yeah. <laughs>
0: the blog and the books. I'm not saying it's a pet peeve, but Tom does not. Capitalize the first letter of his sentences. I'm just saying. So anyway. well, maybe it's not. Uh, anyway, we should probably Does move this on. call for separation? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> uh, Yeah, well well we've separated over never mind. Okay. <laughs> well what's so your, let's be quiet. Well, go back well, Brother Wickens, well, go what's
1: ahead. Your we'll, position, we'll uh, what,
2: what's your position on um the Oxford
0: comma?
1: I would do the Oxford <laughs> comma was coming up next before you got the words out of your mouth. I knew it was the Oxford comma. Are we, supposed to take some
0: principle, are we supposed to take some principle over this that like we usually separate over the lesser things as opposed to the greater things? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> are you trying to say the Oxford comma is a lesser thing? Because if so, brother, them is fighting words. Uh, he doesn't honestly, know I'm what gonna, it
1: is. I'm okay, not going true. there.
0: <laughs> I do know what it is. I do know what it is, and I am i don't care. I don't care. <laughs> what?
2: Man. Anyway. Not Back now. to Bill and the
0: Militancy is all in how it's directed. I mean, you cannot you cannot deny that the New Testament church in the first center, century was a militant church, but they were not militant um, in the sense that a lot of people think of it now, right? I mm-hmm. mean, I, I, I purposefully wanted to posit that word and say this is the positive sense of militancy when, when um, Pickering says incorporate unwavering militancy. I think we should know what that means.
1: I think he, and maybe Brother Wiggins might have a different tack on this because he's read those same books. Uh, I think what Pickering meant by that, that's not Pickering's term. That's a classic definition, a classic word used in describing what a fundamentalist is. He believes all these doctrines, and he separates over them, and he fights for them. And the idea of militancy is that you're going to fight for what you believe is right, and you're willing to separate over people who will not abide by those things that are right and this is the Mm -hmm. the the struggles the doctrinal struggles for the presbyterians and the methodists and the baptist conventions and where fundamentalism came from so militancy is something that's in the dna of fundamentalism and it 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 reveals itself both in ecclesiastical separation and personal separation we are we are a cantankerous bunch right a fight and fundamentalist is a term that Mm -hmm. is is just well known because that's in our DNA. That and that word militancy means you're willing to fight for what you believe is right, doctrinally mm-hmm. and practically. That's how I understand it.
0: That earnestly contending for the faith? Yeah. 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 I, I think some of the most
2: militant people I've interacted with online have been those who say they don't believe in being militant, and they're militant <laughs> mm-hmm. against being militant, and, and they mm-hmm. don't see it. There's just a lack of awareness. Yeah. Um, But I like one of the quotes we had from Moritz about uh, militancy. Um, He said that the – I've lost it. The separatist realizes that in his militancy and refusal to compromise, he must display the fruit of the Holy Spirit in his life. He knows that fruit Mm -hmm. is only produced in a life surrendered to the Spirit of God. Love, gentleness, and meekness mark his conduct.
0: Mm.
2: Wow. And so militancy doesn't rule out gentleness and kindness and all these other things. It's a part of it. Um, And I think it's another false dichotomy that those who would make themselves our opponents would paint, that they would say either you're gentle or you're militant. They don't see that there's room for both.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I was thinking about that. It's like meekness and militancy can't exist in the same space with them. Well, Can can we just go back to Jesus Christ? He was full of what? Grace and
1: truth. Grace and truth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's that's both. You you, God is both. He is both. You know, the classic idea that fundamentalists elevate the holiness of God above the love of God and evangelicals elevate the love of God above the holiness of God. And I think that's largely accurate. But God is both love and holy. God is holy is a statement you find in the Bible. God is pure is a statement you find in the Bible. And God is love is a statement you find in the Bible. Mm-hmm. He holds both of those in perfect tension. I'm not sure that's the right word, but in perfect balance, yes. uh, and so for us to 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 assert that there's there's one you are supposed to be and one you're not, that's that's mm-hmm. a, a an unbiblical, ungodly thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there's a passage in the Bible that says, "My name," God says, "My name is jealous." Hmm. I mean, he he is jealous of his people, desiring their purity and their love, yes, for him and obedience to him. Hmm. I mean, that's that's both. Powerful. Uh, some other things Moritz says. Martin, did you put these notes in, or did Tom? Like I said, you, you guys.
1: I, I did. They're from. So Fred Moritz is a, a currently he's a he's a professor at Maranatha. Uh, he's also headed a mission board and he's uh, written some things and I've had uh, some good interactions with Brother Moritz. But okay. he wrote a, a, this. This comes from a little book called Be Holy. Uh, and this is this is similar to sort of Pickering's list where he's talking about this is the way that you approach separation. These are his conclusions.
0: I love the number eight on the list. It says the separatist has real compassion for those whose doctrine or lifestyle he must oppose.
1: Isn't that the book of Jude? To go back to the book of Jude again about yeah. snatching them out of the fire. Of some yeah. have compassion, right? Mm-hmm. Others snatch them out of the fire, hating them the garment spotted by the flesh. Oh, man. Because, it, yeah. because if we don't, if we're despising them, if we're th- where this impacts me personally, I'll give you a. This is a a, a conviction, th- convicting thing. The Holy Spirit with me is, I struggle with being compassionate toward the transgender crowd, the gay crowd. Um, I struggle being compassionate toward them, mm-hmm. and this is an area where I think evangelicals are better than I am. They can, they can they can extend that compassion where I often just simply want to turn Old Testament prophet and, you know, throw them off the deck of the ship. Um, But to, to, to hold that in balance, to be compassionate toward the very people that I think are wrong, Mm -hmm. that protects me from pride. It protects me, protects, insulates my own heart from becoming carnal.
0: Yes. Yeah. I've been, I think, I think a lot of, um, people in our churches even feel how you feel about that. I made a statement not too long ago, as I'm preaching through Romans one, mind you, Mm. that I am looking for and praying for the day when we can win someone to Christ who is of that lifestyle and watch God's redemption take place in their life and sanctification take place in their life and, and see the goodness of God, just how good God is to be able to rescue someone from that lifestyle. And Mm. I said that, because I believe it, but I also said that for the benefit of people in our church who tend to be more militant about right. that issue and mm-hmm. they need to understand. We had a gentleman in our church to take a different people group who um, he's he's a military guy, veteran, all of that. And he had a really hard time embracing the idea that God loves Muslims. After 9-11, yes. after all, yeah. that, I mean, he struggled yeah. with that. And I'm just telling you, this is this is the truth. I'm not telling you who it is. So he got with one of our missionaries and took a personal missions trip to Dearborn, Michigan. And he didn't tell me he was doing this, and I'm okay with that. And he came back and he looked at me. He said, I I got what I needed, Pastor. Good. He said, God's broken my heart.
1: That's a wise man. Whoever he is, he's a wise
0: man. Oh, and that's where I think people, when they say the people of this church are truly amazing, I agree with them because they take spiritual steps forward on their own. And they just go forward. And that's what this guy did. And and what we have to have is we if, if we don't have that compassion, then I have to find a way to get it. So how do you get it? Well, this gentleman went up to Dearborn with a missionary to watch that man pour his life into the Muslims. So he humanized those people, mm-hmm. which you have to be careful of because you can humanize yeah. them
1: so far, you're willing to abandon biblical truth because it's going to hurt somebody.
0: Yeah, you might so err on the side of love up- instead
1: of truth. This plays out with relationships. We all have we yes. all have familiar relationships where people will compromise what the Bible says or what God God says yes. in order to maintain a good relationship, uh, and and that is the wrong side of that. We've we've made it so human that we've ceased to be loyal to truth, to be loyal to truth, and yet see people as broken instead of rebels against God that deserve to be thrown into the fire, to borrow Jonathan Edwards' right. phrase, right. To see them as broken and in need of a savior, rather than the other way around, is mm-hmm. is a valuable exercise. I think
2: you have to avoid seeing them as yeah. enemies to be conquered, but their souls to be won. And mm-hmm. you know, it's difficult because most often the individuals we're talking about the 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 them, the other that are out there, we see the vocal individuals who are the leaders of those movements saying and doing the vilest of things. And we don't see those influenced by them as being victims to be rescued and helped. And I think that's maybe where you get some of that compassion is by seeing them where they are
0: as souls for whom Christ died. But, and this is just on my mind as you're talking, you know, people who leave the independent Baptist movement and embrace something else, maybe more of a reformed, position or something and then they become so like within within like a month of leaving, you know, what they were, they become <laughs> so combative against that. And and then they claim that the issue was there's no grace. I'm like, well, you still have no grace. You know? Yes, <laughs> and great. so so that and I'm not trying to be cantankerous in this sense. I'm just saying I've I would encourage the people who listen on the other side of us who feel like they have left who we are they no longer appreciate it. They also have to realize that if they don't show grace, then they're they're actually contradicting themselves. Mm-hmm. And and that I don't know I don't know why that was on my mind, but what a way to end the podcast. I I, I think
1: I want <laughs> to I want to throw this thought in before we're done because sure. I don't want to leave the impression in the minds of our listeners that evangelicals are better at having compassion on people.
0: Oh, I don't think you've done that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the truth of the matter is that fundamentalists are soul winners. Right, I mean the soul winners. Yep. Whatever town mm-hmm. that somebody's in, listen to this. In the the soul winners in that town are fundamentalists. There's something that goes hand in hand with that idea of purity of doctrine, with right. great compassion. It's fundamentalists around the bus ministries. It's fundamentalists mm-hmm. that do the door to door evangelism. And that I'm not saying evangelical, evangelicals aren't interested in getting people saved, but that that aggressiveness in going after people with the gospel is yeah. in the DNA of fundamentalism. And and I think that's beautiful. And I think more, it's understood that I think Pickering understood that. And I think our churches need to understand that.
0: Yeah, that's where he said incorporate a zeal for souls. I mean, that right. that is that mm-hmm. has to be, inc- and it, and and that's where you you do, um, Tom. Going back to the beginning of our discussion here, you do balance the fact that separ- uh, separation can be a fruit of holiness, but it's also a spiritual discipline. And it's amazing how that when we amplify our soul winning efforts and we proactive, I, I call it proactive proactively go after different groups of people in in a way to show the love of Christ, present them the gospel. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it may even be by just turning the soil and getting them familiar mm-hmm. with us so that we mm-hmm. can have an open door later. Mm-hmm. And so doing more of the good goodwill things for the community um, that, you know, every time we've done that, it has made our church a more gracious church, a more mm-hmm. loving church, a more mm-hmm. a, a happier church, a more joyful mm-hmm. church church every time we do that and so I agree with you that if we really love people we're going to give them the gospel and in giving them the gospel it's going to amplify that spirit of grace that we all want in our churches amen good discussion today guys really appreciate it I love doing this every once in a while getting together with you guys talking to you it's fun sounds good
1: and hopefully it benefits others yeah amen well (laughs) go ahead Tom I was going to say, we're not really awesome. I was being a little sarcastic there, but it has been. It, it's fun when, when when we get together, we have an actual conversation, and we happen to be recording at the same time, because that doesn't yes. always happen. Sometimes right. we're recording, it's not an actual conversation. Sometimes it's an actual conversation, we're not recording. I feel like yeah. today, this was an actual conversation, we happened to record. Yeah.
0: yeah, I actually feel like we're getting better at having that actual conversation while we're Good. recording. So hopefully that means this will be a a helpful thing for a lot of people so just thank you uh, say a big thank you to all of our listeners who listen and we hope you'll share the podcast with somebody if it can be a blessing to them we always value your feedback and so we'd love to hear from you Uh, but for now we're signing off thanks for listening to the issues podcast